Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 961 with Kyle and Maggie Gordon. Totally. And the other thing that my job as the integrator is, is to remove the roadblocks. But when there is a roadblock, it's my job to find the resource to remove the roadblock, find a solution, a new system, a new process. Uh, My job is to make everyone's jobs easier. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode brought to you by Pop Menu. Are you looking to grow your restaurant in 2023? Are you and your team focusing on driving more revenue or connecting with diners more? Maybe you want to increase sales without physically expanding your brick and mortar. If this is all true, then you are looking for Pop Menu. Pop Menu. Technology for restaurants that are ready to grow. For a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get your $100 off your first month and learn more about Pop Menu's entire collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit. It, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you back on the show for a second time, owner and CEO yeah. of Dilla's Quesadillas, and what's your title exactly, Maggie? President. President of Dilla's Quesadillas, and you're on the show for the first time. Just welcome back, and welcome for the first time, Maggie, Kyle, and Maggie Gordon. Are you two feeling unstoppable today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Extra unstoppable. Yeah, man, I'm super excited for today's conversation, because the first time we had you on the show, honestly, man, I was just so blown away. Like, every question I asked you, you just, you had an answer and it was That's a great answer yeah man and, and we there's almost like a there's kind of like a little uh this i don't know like no you two were the first people that ever recognized me in public and yes. it was where you told me to go <laughs> for uh dinner and the, the the odds that you were there yes. you Small i think you world. wrote in and you were like hey if you're ever in austin like check out this spot i think i don't remember rancho rancho right yeah and i went there and these two lovely people walk up to me and say, are, are, are you Eric Cacciatore? And I'm like, I was like beside myself. You were so good for my ego. I was like, yeah, I am. Um, so there's, and then organically, I want to say like a couple years, three years later, or two years later, uh, I'm, I'm in Dallas. Um, uh, fam, Terry fam, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Terry fam. Bomb? Bomb fam. Bomb yeah, fam. I go with both. <laughs> he, um, 
he calls you out organically. And yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? I actually know who they are. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like serendipitous. And it just, this just feels so right. And whenever I, I tap into a vein, whenever I find people who are just absolute gold, know their stuff, um, good people. I mean, why go to a new mountain to look for gold when you already found a vein of gold? I'm going to just dig deeper. You cool. Know? And that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to kind of uh, pick up where we left off. But first, Maggie, I, I just want to get to know who you are and kind of find out how, how you got swept into the situation of yeah. villas uh, but before we dive into that let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling mm. with a success quote or mantra and i forgot to give you a heads up but you already knew we do this right yeah, yeah i'm yeah. gonna have that. one all right do you want to share one? i'm Maggie? gonna go first because i think kyle has a really good one that i want to hear his story on that i just heard this morning for the first time miraculously but mine um is get out of your comfort zone because that's mm. where the magic happens i, like I know that. we've all heard it but like I live by that every day. Um, the things I'm doing now are definitely outside my what I thought was my comfort zone. Um, and I think that the more you are just willing to like try new things and like let go of stuff, bring something new in, like you just gotta push through it to make the magic happen. Yeah, and that's really where growth happens is in that that uncomfortable place. Yeah, out, out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Awesome stuff. What about you, Kyle? What do you have? Mine is leap and the net will appear. Ooh, I yes. bet. And we, we talked that's a lot about that the first time. And huge, it's so true. Huge favorite of mine. And like, I actually, I journal every day and I drew a picture of it. And I was like, why does this resonate with me so much? And I really feel like, you know, you have that position of safety that like where the ground is pre cliff and the cliff is the risk, mm. you know? And like, the leap is the learning, right? And the net is stability. Yeah. And so when I started thinking about it, I was like, man, like the net is just like the starting point. The ladder down from that net that catches you is really like the growth and like all that stuff that gets you to success. Yeah. You know? So like I, that's why I love it so much. like the ground floor, Ground right? floor. Like it's like all yeah. the things that happen to get down there. And every once in a while between the ladders, is, I feel like there's also sometimes another leap. Like yeah. Big, when you're taking the next big step, yeah. right? Yeah. Like new net. <laughs> and there's always, and like in the restaurant industry, there seems to be, there's like the first jump and then there's the ladder to like the little things you do from there. And then it's like, that's usually like one, like opening the first one. Then when you get to the third location, you're looking to scale beyond that. Usually there's some type of like jump again that has yeah. to happen. And then no the gap ends again at like 10 locations. Right. No then it happens again, like beyond 20. So yeah. maybe um, we're just bouncing around on trampolines. All yeah. The time. That's what it feels <laughs> like. Right. Yeah. Um, net to net. But it's it, sometimes too, it feels like, um, you're like on a mountain, right? And there's like the layer of clouds and you can't see what's underneath that cloud. And yeah. that's where like just having faith, you no know, doubt. like below that layer of clouds, there's a net uh, and just take the jump. And I kind of feel like we're jumping right now, like with restaurant unstoppable. Cause as you see the first time I was here, it was just me and you. Yeah. And I had a couple like iPhone cameras, Yeah, but we've upgraded. Yeah. Sam Hall's joining us on site and no he's, doubt. he's amazing. And you just got to take the leap that when you, when you extend yourself that it's going to pay off in the long run. Go all in. Awesome stuff, guys. So Maggie, let's just focus on your story. And if you guys are, uh, if the, the name, the, if the Gordon name is new to you, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 699. Uh, that was the first time we had Kyle on the show. And that was actually in March of 2020, just before the world started to crumble. <laughs> so there's no uh, air of pandemic during that conversation. Nah. Uh, but soon thereafter, there was lots of conversation around that. Anyway, um, what's what's so I want to focus on your story and get your background before we kind of jump to where we are today. So how did you find yourself at Dilla's Quesadillas? Well, um, I, Kyle, I guess I need to take a few steps back. So, um, Kyle had the idea when we were in college, we had 
spitballed the menu together, done all the things of ideation. So you go way back. You go to the very beginning of the story. The creation, Genesis. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and so I was a part of all of that, coming up with the name, the menu we created together. The recipes are my recipes. And I kind of like oh, wow. really decided it was going to be, I'm just helping him with this like idea. I had no intention of being in the business. Yeah. And um, I think he was probably like I had done all my work to set him up for success. I, we did that pre-work. I did the design, like all the graphic design and all that. And then I was like, OK, you're on your own. Like <laughs> shoot him out the door. So you guys went to college together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, was your, what was your major in college? I was a PR major. OK. Um, and I would say, actually, I tell people this a lot. One of the most influential things that is made us successful. I did a program at the University of Texas called um, Business Foundations. And that particular program gave me the ability to step in and help him on the business side. Because that was really like... I'm seeing why Kyle insisted you join us in today's conversation. (laughs) So, so yeah, when when he was a month or two in and he's like, hey, will you like look at this accounting thing for me real quick? And I noticed real fast that he needed some help in that department. So I kind of like just stepped my toe in thinking yeah. I'm just going to like help and him get on his feet here. That and, turned into the whole body. And then <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all just, in. he just like threw that lasso and roped me all the way in. Yeah. So uh, I think I remember Kyle said his GPA was like a 2.8. How did you do? I was more like a 3.8. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but seriously, that business foundations course really laid the groundwork for me to be able to get us to where we're at today. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm not, a business expert by any means. We've learned a ton, but that really gave us the ability to grow with some level of sophistication uh, that I think a lot of first-time business owners don't have if you haven't been through that and had the exposure to all those different facets of the business. I love that. Um, so what, like today, what lanes would you say, your, your title's president, but mm-hmm. early on, like how did you, how would you say you compliment, you complimented each other? Yeah. So, um, even though I was a PR degree, I went straight into media and advertising, um, out of school. And so I worked at like big agencies. So right off the bat, I was like, I can help with the marketing side. Yeah. So, um, I jumped in, like I said, did all the graphic design, any marketing pieces we had, all the execution of marketing, um, accounting, HR, payroll, like really a lot of the back end IT. I, I am the IT department, you know, and Kyle focused on the operations and people training development, all that. So I was kind of the behind the scenes yeah. while he was like facing with the customer and the employees. Yeah. So I think in Rocket Fuel, one of the series of books in uh, Gina Wickman's book. Love that book. EOS. Love that. You are the Rocket Fuel. You are the I'm implementer. She's the integrator. Integrator. I am Thank the you very much. Integrator. And yeah. he is our visionary. And this yeah. is such an important thing. Like, y- you can't be everything in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You, you, I really do believe you have to really divide and conquer and find people who compliment you. And you guys are so lucky to have each other, not just life partners, but business partners. And I think that it's important that at some point we talk about that bounce too yeah. of life and 100%. business. Um, but uh, so anything like going along this vein of just sharing your story, um, I mean, you were kind of here from the very beginning. Uh, I almost want to like go through the whole interview from the very beginning with you, but I, I want to make sure we get... Um, talking about what's happening today and we, we're we have until ten thirty. so um what what do you think you or the biggest things or the biggest challenges uh the biggest lessons you learned in the first you guys started what was the year you this is year 10 yeah we're in our 10th year. we're in our 10th year, year. that's crazy how yeah. do you condense that into a short little few words um 
but just get into like the biggest challenges you had and the advice you had from the perspective of PR and marketing and uh, being like in the dirt, right? As the the integrator, uh, what has that been like for you? Well, I mean, when I take my my past into account, I think really like the challenge for me was coming into it. I didn't know how to market a restaurant Mm. and it's totally different than what I did. I was marketing for Pepsi before, you know, like, so I'm like, I have no budget, like got to get our hands in the dirt, get out there. And what can we do within our means that can be impactful? So like, that was a really big challenge for me professionally. And as we grew and, you know, we have more resources, we can do more things. And really, um, with more restaurants, more responsibility comes. And I didn't have the time to focus on marketing all the time like I did. I really had to lean into all the other departments that took precedent. And that pushed me out of my comfort zone for sure. Um, I think that leaning into trusting other people, I um, am a bit of a perfectionist, self-proclaimed. And um, so control is like a an issue for me. Mm. And I had to really like listen to Kyle and mentors. Like Kyle's really good about pushing me to let it go, let go of the vine and trust the advisors and the professionals we have around us um, and hiring great professionals to help us when I know I'm at my capacity. I think that's like my biggest thing this year in transformation is like really leaning into the integrator role um, in a different way. Like I have been such a doer for the last nine years. I've been doing all the things to keep the company running and now I'm having to delegate and orchestrate. And that's really like, it is, a, I would say, a strong suit of mine. I'm very organized, love like the whole process and making sure everything's talking to each other and working, but letting go of the doing mm. and really focusing on the oversight is the critical piece for us at the stage we're at. Yeah. And that's been my challenge. So we talk a lot about the importance of delegation here at Restaurant Unstoppable mm-hmm. and again just like letting go and just trusting that the people you put in place can handle it and maybe even do it better than you could have ever done it right. on your own right but we don't talk a lot about what the orchestration part of that is so delegate and orchestrate yeah. so get into what you mean by orchestrate uh, yeah so the orchestration piece is kind of how I see myself as the integrator I've got every department under me mm-hmm. and I'm trying to make sure they all talk to each other and are respecting each other in everything that happens from behind the scenes to in the front of house. So we may have a new marketing campaign and I've got to make sure that IT has the discount set up and then the operations knows that they know what they need to do. They're aware. They know where the button is. They know how to promote it in store. And it needs to make sure that it is taken into account on the back end as well as accounting comes into play and how yeah. it's put in there. So it's, it's really making sure that any initiative we have Every department is taken into account as far as how it can be impacted, benefit, you know, or if it could hurt that department. So it's my job to be the gatekeeper and make sure that everyone is being heard as a department. Okay, so orchestrate, definition, arrange, or score for orchestral performance. I don't like that one. Arrange <laughs> or direct the element of or to produce desire effect. So when you read that and comparing it to what you just said, really when, what goes through my mind is it's not enough just to say, hey, go do this. You have to make sure that they have the tools and resources and the the the, the maybe the systems to do yeah. it well, right? Absolutely. And that's what you're, and that's, is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And the other thing that my job as the integrator is, is to remove the roadblocks. So when people hit a wall, or they've got a problem that, you know, might, it might be siloed to one department. It might affect multiple departments. But when there is a roadblock, it's my job to find 
the resource to remove the roadblock, find a solution, a new system, a new process. Uh, my job is to make everyone's jobs easier. Yeah. Uh, but I want to add one thing please. in because like she, she's kind of skipping to like her current role and uh, also like how she's grown into it. But like Maggie has like become like an industry influencer to, in my eyes because like she's a super high level executive owner of this business, founder of this business, but she also closed the restaurant, completely programmed and implemented our first micros point of sale I system. Did all of our POS systems. Like all I that. programmed the whole thing. And like went up there, made and sure really the team was this one, didn't you? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. You know, but like it, it's super important. But like she took orders. When we were short, her and I like yeah. cleaned the lobby and like so like she really like has grown into this industry. Like I started in it, you know, yeah. and like I, yeah. I grew up in it. And over the last ten years, like she's like not only started from the bottom, but like worked every department, organized all this stuff and has really become like an industry expert. And it's like, I, I love her growth in this industry and I think she loves it too. Yeah. I, we had um, a group of about 10 different restaurant CEOs come through here recently, kind of did like a mini tour, wanted to check out what we were doing. And uh, what was this associated with? Uh, they're in YPO. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was like a YPO restaurant group. And what's YPO? Young, uh, young President's Organization. Yeah. And so being able to tour them through the restaurant and like Kyle said, because I have worked in every position almost and I've done the implementation, the design, I've created all these things. So walking through the restaurant, I now can speak as an expert, give them a tour, talk about every inch of it and the exercise behind why we cook the way we do, what is about our produce, this and that, you know, and they were like, wow, how do you know all that? You can, you speak so well knowledge on your business, not just from this top level. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you two really are the one to punch because Kyle's the same exact way. You guys are so embedded into your business. You have an answer for everything. You're so well at, like you just, it's the two of you are so impressive. I just want to say that. And it's why I'm back here. And it's, it's really something I'm trying to do with restaurant unstoppable going to the future. Instead of feeding the funnel with new relationships and I'm traveling, I want to go back to the people who really just impressed me the most when I went through that city the first time. That's why yeah. I'm back. Cause I think what you guys are doing here is great. I love so much about the, the concept as far as, um, branding and pro- like just the idea that the business model of trying to focus on doing one thing really well. And on that note of branding, I'm assuming that you had a lot, probably more than Kyle did with the actual, like the actual look and feel of what Dill is. Is that safe to say with your background? Uh, I, I think that it's actually really collaborative. Okay. Um, Kyle, Kyle as the visionary comes up with great ideas and I bring them to fruition. Okay. And um, so we kind of knew an idea of what we wanted. It's funny like the logo for example we have a board at our first location that shows the story of how we started the first logo has an armadillo on it because we thought that would help people know how to say dillas <laughs> and then we now we have a gorilla <laughs> we quickly transitioned away from that but um but we're very collaborative in design um i i have done all the design but not without the help of kyle he's my second set of eyes mm-hmm. you know we really work together on making sure we're creating a vision that represents us the livelihood of the restaurant and the personality of our restaurant Has that's where we like overlap like our venn yeah. diagrams like sometimes they like have a big overlap and so like if you if you took design and aesthetics and marketing we would be like really overlapped and we share a lot of okay. like uh-huh. we like join together really tightly and even the interior design too yeah. like but like accounting 
like I have like a tiny sliver that I overlap. <laughs> I don't know I'm, if there's <laughs> even a sliver. It's like the bubbles touch. But, but it's okay to, to admit what you're not good at. Yeah. So yeah. you can get yeah. the heck out of the way faster. Exactly. And it sounds like what, what Kyle's focus is more on the cultural, visual, uh, team building. And if at any point I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. And you are more like we mentioned earlier, the integrator. Is it the integrator? I always yeah. say it's integrator. 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 Yeah. integrator um, like in the dirt, building, figuring things out, numbers. And the nuts and bolts, right? Yeah. Like and you need both of that. And if oh, you yeah. if you can find if you can find somebody who can just focus solely on that and so you can focus solely on whatever it is that you are good at, think you will go so much further together. Uh, and you guys are so lucky to have each other because no it, it takes a lot of time for people to find that that yeah. completion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that holds people back from getting to the next Completely level. Completely agree. Which is probably why you guys have had so much success early on in your careers because just so much went right. And talk about the brand real quick in your target market because I have thoughts. But I don't want to uh, make assumptions. So who, who were you building this brand for? Uh, you know, I think that Kyle coming from his background at Raising Cane's was under the thought process that we would have a very similar um, customer. We knew it was going to be the convenience factor. So, um, but we wanted it to be lively and fun, but also family oriented. So, you know, we are irreverent to a very mild level, um, with a little bit of humor in there, bright colors. We are not afraid of, we love the colors. We want to make a splash. Mm -hmm. Um, but we are also, you know, contemporary and sophisticated, um, at the same time. So we, we wanted to elevate the interior, make the branding look fun, but clean and simple. Um, and we really have not targeted one single segment of customers. You know, I think that we have a few that stand out, but we are a very, very wide spectrum of yeah. customers. Then like we, like I think a good way to put it is like, we want to build community through Primo Quesadilla meals. And right. so like, that's how the restaurants feel. Like it's a place that the community can go. Um, it's a place that, you know, you'll see a school fundraiser. It's a place that you'll see people meeting for a work lunch. It's a place that you'll see a family come for a quick dinner. We have you a cute old TVs. couple that comes every week religiously, like yeah. that it's their date every week, you know, like, yeah. It could be anyone. Yeah, but you won't find alcohol. You won't find TVs. Like you, you find a more of a food focus. And like I love quesadillas as connection. Yes. You know, like that's really like the customer that we're looking for. That somebody wants to connect over food. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's like really where the heart and what it's grown to. Yeah. As a, finding the purpose. But when you think of quesadillas, the first thought, like, like who wants a quesadilla? It's usually everyone. Like, everyone, <laughs> right? But like, I think Kyle's a good example of this because when yeah. you were a kid, you like you fell in love with quesadillas. Yeah. It's what you ordered every time when you were at Matt's El Rancho, yeah. right? That, yeah. that was your go-to. And I think a lot of kids like gravitate towards quesadillas. Mm-hmm. So the brand, um, I think with your, with especially with Dilla over yep. here, over yeah. my right shoulder, it, I think it it's a uh, it appeals to children, but it's also not kiddish in the right. sense that you can come in as an adult and still feel like you're not Chuck E. Cheese. No, yeah, you, you know. Yeah. So like, there's a good balance of like, I mean, was that intentional or am I am I making things up or is no? This, is I that think a I think you're on the right track. Like, we wanted it to be youthful. Like, we wanted it to be something that was welcoming. Like, you know, best in the world at quality convenience. You know, is like something that we really strive to be because the quality piece was really important as well. Like, so we don't compete on price, right? So we only compete on quality and service, mm. you know? And so like those things were like pillars from the get go, you know? And so like that type of thing continues to grow with the brand. Right. And like our, 
menu isn't overly aggressive on your palate. Like you'll never like be like, oh, that's too spicy for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything will like, you could come up to that level, like with a hot hatch, but like you're never going to be pushed over the edge in terms of like the adventure zone in terms of like, oh, dang, like yeah. this is hot. You well, know? I was just about to say, when you think about a kid's quesadilla, it's usually like the tortilla mm-hmm. and cheese, yeah. but you're more than that. Like yeah. you guys had a lot of fun creating some very creative um I don't know, combinations within that tortilla. Like yep. it's, it's not just a, it's a great tortilla. vehicle. You yeah. can do almost anything oh, yeah. with the tortilla and yeah. cheese. I love the concept. It's, yeah. it's, we, we talked about this in the first episode that you, Kyle, you, the both of you, I'm assuming notice that, Hey, you know, there's, there's tons of taco joints. They're killing it. There's tons of uh, burrito joints. They're killing it. How come no one's taking over the, the quesadilla space? It was like a wide open market. And yeah. I think you guys are so spot on. So yeah. before we take a break and thank our sponsors to pick up where we left off the last time I was here, I don't want to cut you short. Is there anything that we should bring to the conversation specific to Maggie's role or maybe something that you just want to get out, something that you contributed, something that was a a hurdle for you to get over or whatever, a failure that you encountered uh, before 2020? Before 2020? Yeah. Um, You know, really, a, a lot of our growth and maturity as a business and as a business couple as well happened after 2020, you know, um, before that I I really was in the do, do, do mode. And I was just grinding away at new systems and implementing this and how can I make this better? And I was kind of living the back version of the role I play now. And I think that, um, that really 2020 obviously made it forced us to get gritty and like get down to it. Gave us a lot of time to figure out what we wanted to do and make that plan moving forward. And, um, we were really siloed also. Like we thought that we knew what the other was doing yeah. before 2020 and we really didn't, you know, like she was grinding so hard on the things that she, the departments that she was in charge of. I was in the restaurants trying to make sure that this was right. This was right. What do we need to do next to make this more consistent or better for the customer, better for the team. And like, we were like, all right, let's have a meeting every week, Maggie. Never, never we happened. never showed up to the meeting for each other. Oh, so, you know, yeah. so it was like very like, it was like almost like, grind time almost you know and but so almost like, to the not to the detriment but i would say that some of the outputs we had maybe hadn't been as best as they could be because we weren't getting each other's involvement on it you know totally. we make each other better in our departments by collaborating when we need to collaborate mm-hmm. so you know maybe kyle was grinding away on creating some new training system but i can help give perspective on how to lay that out in a better way and make it more presentable to a team member where he'd would just put it in a dock and call it a day, mm-hmm. you know, or, or vice versa. He can help with presenting numbers in a different way that's palatable to a GM that I wouldn't recognize. All right. So let's take a break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to talk about how you guys transitioned from being in your own silos to kind of sharing one mind and communicating and getting on the same page. Awesome. awesome. This episode brought to you by Pop Menu. Are you looking to grow your restaurant in 2023? Are you and your team focusing on driving more revenue or connecting with your diners more? Maybe you and your team want to increase sales without physically expanding your brick and mortar. Then you're looking for Pop Menu. Pop Menu is the restaurant technology designed to make growing your restaurant easy. Attract more guests to your website that's designed to easily collect contact info and data so you can see what your guests love and why they dine with you. Stay top of mind and build authentic relationships with guests by using modern technology that drives new and repeat business. Make all of 
Your systems work better together, improve margins, and conquer the chaos of your restaurant's digital presence. Pop Menu, technology for restaurants that are ready to grow. For a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off the first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off the first month and learn more about Pop Menu's entire collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. We're back. And uh, the last time I was here, it was 2020, and uh, we covered a lot. Uh, literally March of 2020 was when this episode, it was March 9th, 2020 when this episode dropped like a week before the world started to crumble. I think it was right around that time. The news started to really say this might be bad. Yeah. Um, so what happened like for you? Like, cause I feel like your, your brand probably had like did well. And I don't want to make assumptions, yeah. but I feel like it, it, it was set up to do well in the pandemic was that i kind of want to take the first part of this one go for it um because we really like man we we were already in buckle down mode so like that january we like took a really hard look and said like what are the top 20 cash flow driving things that we can do like where's all of our money going like how can we get more efficient and all that so we were kind of like in this mode financially like thinking through like let's get right you know we're in launch mode yeah, yeah, like we were like, we want yeah. to. We need money to grow. Yeah, so you yeah. were kind of going through the process of doing like your inventory, figuring out exactly where your systems were, where the cash flow was, mm-hmm. all the things you needed to do if the pandemic was happening to really to, to get your ducks and in the a balance row. sheet. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we wanted to be able to go to somebody and say, "Hey, like we have cash in the bank. We have this. There's predictability in our P and L." So like that was the year that we were going to be like tight buckle it down like buckle it down go to the bank go to the investor and be like hey look at what we did in 2020 help us grow in 2021 and beyond right and so we're kind of in that mode and then it hit Mm -hmm. you know and then we're like okay what's the plan now you know like how much cash do we have how many payments of rent can we make how many um because at this time like when it first was kind of coming on there was like no like uh, leniency being provided by landlords or banks. Like a lot of that did kind of come up after we went to them, hand, you know, hat in hand, and we're like, please give us money to op- stay open one more month, yeah. you know, like. But like it really opened our eyes to like, dang, like we don't have four months of cash to like make these ten thousand dollar rent payments. Like, dude, that was like unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was more like a month of mm-hmm. cash, you know. And so, really opened our eyes. Learned a lot during that time. Like we got super into like day to day just like everything was survival we created a really fantastic plan based on the feedback and the outpouring of support in the industry it was like hey here's what our restaurant group is doing and i would like look at that plan and be like okay how can i like dillify this and make sure that this is something that you know like that we can like roll out and yeah um and so uh, that became really important. And then we just started executing against the plan. Mm. So we were like, yeah. we're going to get the restaurants immaculately clean top to bottom. We're going to spend R&M to get anything that's broken fixed. Like all these tables like that we're sitting at right now, we're kind of peeling. They clean them with the wrong cleaner. S- take all of them out since we have no customers. Sand fix down. them all up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we started like really we executing. Yeah. During, I mean, I would say that the initial shock was cut all the expenses, you know, and once we kind of got to where that was manageable, then we're like, what can we do while we don't have customers in house? And that's where all those projects came about. And it really, 
I think, like you said, we were set up because we were already doing online delivery or, or online orders, third-party delivery. We already had curbside in place. So, like, we didn't have to... You have to, drive-thrus at a lot of your We do have drive-thrus, yeah. yeah. And uh, is it every location or just... Every Dallas location We has have one in Shreveport that doesn't, yeah. um, but this one that's a different story. This one did not at the time. We just converted this location. Oh, okay. Um, so, well, that was part of my thought process is that your brain is kind of set up for the pandemic. Yeah. So I was really yeah. wondering if, if, honestly, a lot of concepts out there, the burger joints, the pizza joints, did better. They, they had record months during the pandemic yeah. because yeah. they were set up for it. And I was wondering if that was the case for you guys. It, it was. I would say that um, it actually opened the door to more customers during the pandemic, I think as a young brand, most, not most, but a lot of people kind of pass us by. They'll drive by and I'll get there. I need to try that place one day. And during the pandemic, I think there was a little bit of delivery fatigue of, you know, there's only this brands I've had so many times and they're like, I'm going to give Dillas a try this time, you know, and it really opened that door. And I would say our customer base grew um, exponentially during the pandemic just because people you know, wanted to try something new. Yeah, it was it was hard to keep it. it you know, um, in a real growth mode, um, but we didn't experience like these giant like twenty thirty percent downs. You know, like right. that was like okay, we we're down forty percent that March, and then that April, and then May flat. You know, and like and being flat in the pandemic was like everybody was looking Great. at us like yeah. like we were like purple. You know, like oh my god, that's amazing. So you know, what what percentage of your orders then were dine in versus takeout? And I'm assuming we're, we're, you know you group takeout with drive through. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, on, like do you group delivery with takeout as well? Yeah, anything off premise you could group together. Okay, but I don't think it really. I mean, obviously during the pandemic it went down. But I would say we're back to our normal. It's about 25% dine-in okay. um, in the restaurant. Or, or takeout. You know, like takeout, we consider walk-in, order, and leave with it. Okay. You know, like, yeah, to go. Um, so, like, 25% is dine-in and that type of takeout. And then 75% is off-premise. Do you plate your, t- your dine-in or do you treat it all like takeout? Yes, it's on a plate with a liner. Okay. Dine-in, yeah. Got mm-hmm. it. Yep. Like McDonald's, they, 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 they'll give you the plate, but it's essentially it's the, the same, same yeah. package. Put yeah. it on a plate versus yeah, put it in the no bag. bag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's I'll a little bit more back, elevated <laughs> if you dine in. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Got yeah. it. So, um, after the pandemic, is, is, are those numbers the same? Yeah. Same come split? back to, yeah, okay. come back to the same split, really. I mean, there's um, the third-party delivery might have taken a little bit of share of just the straight online orders. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're working to bring that back in-house, and we've got some so tactics on Another that. cool thing that happened during that time was not just investing in the units and our people. And the other thing is, like, we also had to keep them safe. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's, like, all this stuff every day. Hey, Close, open, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear two masks, don't wear a mask at all. Uh, you know, like, yeah. put your shirt over your face. It's like, those types of masks don't work. You got to remember, that was a year's. You know what I mean? Like, that was a year and a half. Like, we're just barely even getting to the end of that. Mm. But that was one thing. I'm not going to go too deep into that. But what we really did was invest in our training and our systems. Mm-hmm. So, like, we did like 20 or 30 new fresh videos like hey here's how you mop the lobby you know and like it would be like me and jacob who you met earlier our area leader and like we updated every video so like our operations got so much better after the pandemic because like we had a video catalog training catalog all of our like hey what's what makes dilla's hard to operate okay let's fix that you know like let's introduce these new spoons these new scoops like 
So like we took like, I think we grew three years in one year. That's crazy. Yeah. So what, there's two things I want to focus on. First, you mentioned, um, we were talking about the delivery and how you started to bring things back to in-house away from takeout or maybe uh, migrate away from third party back to your own assets. And then you were talking about investing in your training and systems. Those are three different categories I want, I want to hit on, but going in chronological order, how did you migrate? Was that something that you focus on as the integrator migrating people away from third party back to using your native ordering? Yeah. So I think that, um, especially in the, uh, in the depths of the pandemic, uh, it was obviously a lot of drive towards third-party delivery. And we had to try and get a little bit creative. We tried to implement our own delivery and it really became um, too much of a struggle for us to manage. So we had, we abandoned that, but we got creative and tried to... Are you to, interested in getting back into that at any point? I don't think we'll ever okay. do our own delivery. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense for our model because we have a drive-through. So yeah. having an extra person to kind of be that runner doesn't make sense for us. And we figured that out real fast. But we got creative with what we could do. And so we did like neighborhood nights where we would set up, okay, a pre a, a custom pre-order menu that like we'd get with an HOA and we'll give you your custom menu, y'all order, we'll come set up a tent in your neighborhood and everyone can just walk and pick up their order. So we brought the food to them instead of them having to come to us or pay the fee of ordering to have it delivered to their house. Yeah. And that was a great success. We did several of those throughout the pandemic, but just trying to be creative on how to um, get around, get the food to them without them having to use that delivery service. And then currently we're working on getting our own um, app with white label delivery implemented so that we can offset the fee that we're paying to third party delivery by putting a little bit of fee on the customer, which they're already paying if they're using a third party delivery and then us taking the rest of that, but it's they get service. it direct. There's something yeah. about the restaurant industry where we where what is hospitality? It's being warm and like considerate. It's also being generous. Yeah. And I think that it's good to be generous, but I think we could be too generous. Mm-hmm. I think being generous has gotten us into a lot of trouble because yeah. we just give everything away. Yeah. You're telling me that <laughs> like easy. driving food to someone's front door is not a service right. that should be charged for. And when you start yeah. to charge for these things, people are literally like, they scoff at it. Like, how yeah. dare you <laughs> charge me for driving food 15 minutes across the city to drop it on my front step? You jerk. <laughs> like, well, think Greedy. about what, Yeah. Like yeah. it's so absurd. Yeah. Uh, but we, it's, I think it's our fault because yeah. we have killed with kindness over yeah. time. And I'm not saying don't be thoughtful and kind and warm, yeah. but also know your value yeah. and, put that the charge for your for your worth yeah you know yeah and so, but like as an industry we're all complaining about like oh like uber eats is getting 30 percent. but like what i will say about business people entrepreneurs restaurant executives all that we'll find a way mm-hmm. like we're, we're gonna figure out how to out game you in your game on us you yeah. know and like that's how like we're clawing back yeah. we introduce these white label we bring it in-house like we're we're now on the kind of i i would say front end or of like 
a new era and yeah. clawing back yeah. some of that control. And sadly, we can actually thank the pandemic for that a little bit because it forced the technology to move light years ahead. Yep. Because pre-pandemic, we wouldn't even have the option to get an app. Yeah. And it forced the restaurant industry to open their eyes to what was happening because they were finally, it was either evolve or die. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it forced the industry to get caught up to the rest of the world. No doubt. Um, and I think the other big thing that's happening is that we're finally talking to each other. Whereas yeah. before, like you said, you were in silos within your own industry or within your own roof between the two of you. Mm-hmm. But we were in our own restaurant silos with other restaurants. Yep. We weren't talking because I, I don't know if it's fear of giving away trade secrets mm-hmm. or, you know, why would I give the person down the street like the you know tell them what what we're doing to make money because we right. don't want them to pull from our customers. But the truth is, it's the people that do share all that money who go further together. And mm-hmm. I think the industry will go much further together if we start just talking and saying, let's stop bending to these third party. Um, we, we let's own our industry. Yeah, you yeah. know, like for sure. Yeah, like let's let's be the beneficiaries of our hard work. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about. Uh, I'm curious is is your delivery today still you said it was a little higher than what it was before so you you kept some of your delivery uh yeah i think it depends on the location um but it's probably close if not just a little bit higher um but you know our goal is to try and get people to understand we have a drive-through um you know if they order online and come pick up now we have a drive-through at this location for example so our goal here is convert those online orders to the drive-through because their food is going to be fresher right out the grill, you know, versus if it's sitting in a bag for a minute until they get here. And it may be like 8% to 10%. You know what I mean? Like it it definitely is like that large of a percent of our sales, third party delivery. Um, But like catering, like came back on, takeout Mm -hmm. came back up, drive-thru came back up, dine-in rows, like those things, like it hasn't been like during those times, maybe it was 25%. Yeah. It, it's fallen down way off those yeah. peaks. Well, Maggie mentioned earlier that uh, the the overall volume increased because of the pandemic because a lot of, you, it exposed you to, to more of the market. Um, are your per unit uh, sales higher post-pandemic? Yeah, totally. By how much? Um, I think in... Well, we took a price increase, unfortunately, as we all had to do last year. So that affects um, a little bit. But I think the year before, we were... Double digits up for sure. I think we were about 17% wow. up. Congratulations. And uh, when I last spoke to Kyle, it was uh, four locations going on six. Mm-hmm. Are you at six now? We're at seven total. Nice. Yep. Um, nice. And we've got quite a year ahead of us this year. Yeah, it's about growth <laughs> now. It's about to yeah, get crazy. So before we get back into that, um, you know, where you're at, where your business is, let's talk about the per unit evolution. Because you said you said you worked on uh, training and you worked on systems. Yep. So what were the biggest needle moves? moving things you think you did in terms of training and systems really break that down. I don't know which one you want to start with first. Yeah. I think that like, so we got really focused on like the formula and we call the formula manpower, culture, operations, financial performance, and marketing. That's the formula. It's the mom formula, right? So it's little C after the M and then it's little FP after the O, right? So that's the formula. And we said, okay, let's really get focused on manpower Right. And so what do we need to do here? So it became and I would, kind of real quick when I interject yeah. and preface that that formula is sequential yeah. in our world. Hit so with the formula one more time, manpower, I, manpower, and then subcategory culture. Okay. Operations, operations, sub financial performance, and last then marketing's marketing last. So we see that as the 
priorities, the sequential priorities for our operators. Yep. So I just I wanted to make sure the sequential part got in there. Yeah. So like then we just went to went to work on those verticals. You know what I mean? And we said, okay, first thing, what's our number one priority is manpower. And we looked at what we had. Hey, is our orientation good enough? We completely redid the orientation videos because they weren't fresh. They weren't good enough. We we made two so we could break it up and like give them a little break. You know, and like one is more focused on like the uh, team resources side and one's all culture. You know what I mean? So it's like more exciting. It's a little bit more, you know, core values and purpose and all of that. And then they get a little break and then they come back and do some of like, when am I going to get paid? So like, d- when do I get a vacation? Yeah. Stuff so like that. The, these videos, this training, was it, was it, what was the platform you built this on? Jolt. How, Jolt. Yeah. Okay. And did you... Did you change the technology or did you just refresh the content within? We did implement Jolt during the pandemic, didn't yep. we? Yeah. yeah. So we, we adopted that new technology while we were in the pandemic. Um, we saw it as a we were transitioning out of our Spukes. old POS. Yeah. So we we were looking for a new platform. Um, we were using Skooks through hot schedules prior. And uh, it was just a POS little... POS point of sale? Scoop. No, no, no. Oh, we were the training, Skooks. That's the, right. Yeah, yeah, so Hot Schedules and like one of their platforms is Skooks is kind of like an online trackable. Yeah, you can yeah. put videos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it wasn't um, optimized for operational excellence. It was a so little cumbersome. No checklists. Okay. Well, so like we needed something that could do both. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. We were looking for the operational and it fit more buckets than we thought it would. So you dropped... Um, did you drop Hot Schedules too? Yeah. Okay. So we used this scheduling within Jolt. So Jolt had the ops piece that we were looking for. And they said, Hey, we also have scheduling and we can do your training, you know, and all that. So we basically just totally dropped them. Um, again, condensing expenses as well during the pandemic. Yep. It made sense for us. Yep. And no shade, no shade on hot schedules because it I think it, it's a very powerful and fantastic best industry leading. Just not right for you, but yeah, not right for us. And it, it kind of the other, the jolt, scheduling piece was good enough Mm -hmm. to bundle with the kind of the other stuff that it offered. So we're like, we're going to go all in. Okay, cool. So, um, I'm trying to figure, does it make sense? How, how did Jolt and what exactly is Jolt just to round off for the listeners? You know, so Jolt is, um, it's really an operational software. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's root is in checklists and they've, expanded these checklists to be able to do way more than just like a simple checklist. But the reason we looked at it initially was for like opening checklists, layover, closing checklists, like all those kinds of things that we wanted to be able to track digitally. They were using like a dry erase version of it before. Yeah, it would be like a long laminated, like, did you brew the tea? Did you, yeah, like, we were like, let's go digital on that. Over the whiteboard yeah, yeah like, oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> so we needed accountability um, to make sure it was getting done properly and to hold that accountability. And so they, they've expanded their services and it just brought in so many other layers that were beneficial to us beyond just the checklist. So we use it for the training and the training, um, you, you can, it's a checklist, but it can have videos attached to it and quizzes and like all this stuff that is trackable. We can pull a report and see who's actually completed their training. Yeah. So that's the, the power of moving digital is now you don't have to show up to the store to make sure things are getting done by referencing Looking the checklist. Looking in their book or You're something. getting push notifications right. to the phone. Yeah. Like it's this time and this checklist hasn't been completed alert right right um it's there's also like i mean not to cut you off but there's some amazing cool tech in it like there's like bluetooth thermometers in your freezer and your cooler that'll alert you through jolt um bluetooth temp probes so like they have to when they do their opening checklist temp the queso temp the black beans and those temps get digitally logged remotely yeah it's fantastic and then like they have the fifo stickers like 
all those like prep stickers are all printed for them. They just push a button and it already calculates the day and all that That's stuff. Awesome. It's super they cool. They have to take a picture when they're closing or opening of the bathroom. So like that picture that goes feature. in and, and you it's can't like, complete boom. the checklist until um, the picture's been taken. Yeah. That's right. So like it's it, but, but these little things force people so like if you before with like a the the the, the antiquated like writing things down, like mm-hmm. you'd be like I did it. Mm-hmm. But now you have to prove that you did it. Yes. So like, there's no more shortcuts because right. I see that you didn't do it right. Right. So it forces people to the, to maintain the standard, which is Absolutely. really powerful. Yeah. Um, and and, the, and it's so important for scale mm-hmm. because like what I and like I know that we might be going in this direction, but like scale for restaurateurs, you know, I think is like the biggest fear factor. You know, because it's like how do I elevate myself out of here you know to be able to go grow this concept and extend my purpose you know what i mean because like most of these people that are doing this like they're bigger than there's a single unit but they don't know how to get to three five ten twenty eighty right and it's all about setting up those systems so you can get out of it and work on it not in it yes and like we went all in on all that yeah yeah so um any other like things about uh the checklists portion of jolt before we start talking about the how you refresh your training um i don't think so but they're one in the same a little bit so like the thing that's really cool like maggie was talking about a little bit earlier is like that you can attach a training video to a checklist item which is huge mm. right so like if somebody's over there breaking down that t-aerator behind me and they're like eh, i don't know how it's got this tiny little eye in the corner click on that and it's a video of us saying hey here's how to break down this aerator for closing yep like those types of like integrated training on the go are you, are you orchestrating yes orchestrating yeah, Indeed. yeah. yeah. so the like the tools they need that's right, right. Yeah. and so i think that that that's huge because what we identified was like how these you know, our team members now are between 16 and 22, you know, like most of them fall into that group. How do they learn? How do they want to learn? They're super comfortable with 30 second videos. They're super comfortable learning quickly through video. And they're hardwired for it. It's hard. They're they're like, Hey, I want to, they're assuming that it's going to be there. Like that's the preferred way of learning. Like that's how people learn today through video content. Right. So we had to upgrade all that. Like we were running on analog, you know what I mean? Like, and, and we were not prepared for like digital learning and like, and we also didn't have enough of like every piece. So like a lot of people are like either audible, visual, tactile they want to do it if you show them a video of it and then you like um show them a picture of it and then you write a page of how to do it they'll pick none of that up but then you give them a spatula and they're like you know um like i don't know somebody who's really good with a spatula wolfgang (laughs) puck you know what i mean you're like oh my god like all you had to do was touch the stuff you know and like see me do it so like we try to hit on all four of those things for everything we also integrated into the beginning of the training program uh identifying what kind of learner they are so Mm -hmm. that our trainers can focus in that particular realm of training so you use tools to identify what kind of learner they so we created a quiz that's like in the first page of their training book that's like Ask them about what they lean towards and how they Can learn. Can you share that quiz with us? Yeah, yeah. sure. Ask them what that'd be cool to include in the you show. You know, we're like, yeah. if you're if you're a visual learner, great. We're going to focus heavily on you know the video content. If you're a, a reader, we've got written stuff for yeah. you too. You know, or if you're hip to hip, we'll we'll pull you out of those videos and do as much hip to hip as we can. But we we have to know what kind of learner they are first to be able to tailor it that way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um. So. What about the actual video content? Because you had video content, but you said you re 
refreshed it. What did you do? What was your, was there a different approach the second time around? Shorter. Uh, shorter. Yeah. Right. Like we, we may have had like a three or four minute video on there and we we're like, whoa, like we need to like condense this down, is break it, be- it up. Is it because the video and these, these training videos now have a place to live and it doesn't make sense to put this element of a training video on the checklist if it's more than just that totally. portion of it. So yeah. you can, it's like, what's the it's word? It's like breaking it apart, right? Yeah. Like exploding one process Compartmentalize into the training. multi. Yeah. 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 And like we would like, instead of like going through the entire process, like we would, like Maggie just said, like chop it up into five steps that are all five seconds in that video, edit it, format it and, and package it to where they could quickly get to the point. You know, like we're we're going for eighty percent here. Mm-hmm. We're not going for like perfect on some things. You're going down each rung of that ladder along the leap, and every step is an improvement. Right, right. It's a it's a tweak. It's a week, like, and this is this is what we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. So we, we're covering culture pretty well. Orientation videos. Um, is there anything we're missing as far as manpower goes? Um, I don't think so. You know, like the manpower. If if I had to like just put my thumb on one thing from the last time we met. March 2020 to today, I would say manpower has been the biggest struggle, you know, because it's like people didn't want to come back. Was it safe to work? And like, so that's been like really a difficult piece. Is there a stigma against QSR? Do you think? Um, I think so. I do. You know, I think that like, I don't think it's fair, you know, because like people are treated really well for the most part in restaurants, especially, yeah. you know, that are, are good, reliable brands, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think that, People in this society to be good Americans, I think, need to know how to have a conversation, make eye contact, know what work ethic is, and we train those things. Yeah, and I don't think the I don't think the media and the press does a good job sharing and making an example right. of QSR. It's like everyone. It's about sexy, glamorous. Yeah, the, yeah. The the cock like the you know the the fine cocktails the the. The, the fine dining yeah and like that's where all the media craft goes. everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and but, also the lottery winners of the world you know yeah. what i mean like i don't mean that literally i mean like the people who like did something and are billionaires at 24 mm-hmm. like the 99.999 percent of us yeah. had a restaurant job yeah. like took that to where we you know worked through college you know did college didn't do college went and ground grinded at it at this job for five years to learn what i want to do find my passion yeah that's how real successes yeah. are made and you came from Raisin Cane's mm-hmm. uh, and they are one QSR company that does have a good reputation yeah. and yep. they are able to attract people yep. what have you pulled from that experience to inject into Dilla's to, to be able to compete with that the the number one thing like that I continue to take from that and like that I learned from the CEO COO at that time Ian Vaughn um, one of the things he told me was like this we it really started to change when we went all in on the GM Right. And so like, not like, oh, let's internal promote a service manager to be a GM of this location. No, we're going to find a really high level person and we're going to pay them a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're going to like make sure that the top level leadership at the at the unit level is fantastic. Why is that so important? Well, they they drive everything. You know what I mean? They make the manpower decisions. Mm -hmm. They make the culture decisions. They drive the culture. They run the operations. Right. They make sure that the financial performance is on track. They can read a P&L like they're invaluable, you know, like to the, you know, success of a restaurant. It's all on any great restaurant company. Go look at all of them. They're only great because they've got good single unit operations. Yeah. And, and it's think, driven by the GM. And the GM being knowledgeable about their business is one of the critical pieces of that. And if you are 
not getting that experienced high-level GM, they're not going to be able to look at the PL and identify what they can do to make a difference on it. They're not going to know to predict that they're going to have manpower issues in July when everyone leaves for summer vacation. They're not, they're not going to have predictability and the, the, um, they can close the gap on making the needle move where uh, you know, a new introductory GM is just not there yet. They're, they're going to sit in hiring and firing people and training them until they learn that along the way. Yeah, and I think that like some restaurateurs try to manage through the P&L and don't understand that A, players are free plus more, right? So like, yeah, it's, they're 100 grand, Yeah. right? They're not 50, right? But they make an extra $200,000 per year for the restaurant. You don't have staffing issues. A, a person to get hired and then fired or whatever is like 3500 to four grand yeah like uh it's, it's more of a fixed cost yeah than a variable cost yeah sure. i mean so like and that's just at the team member level yeah. you know so if you can reduce that through great leadership then you, you make all that money back a players are free is like strong advice i love that so we talked a lot about manpower we we i think we worked in a little bit of operations talking about jolt uh but back to the uh the this formula manpower uh operations and marketing do you want to talk about financial performance? Did we, did we get enough into that? Well, I mean, I think that the financial performance is everything. Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening to this who are like, how do you make money in a restaurant? I haven't figured it out yet, mm. you know? And like, it, it, it is difficult, you know, because there are so many variables. Like, if you ask anybody about their last year on COGS, I don't care who the leader is. They're going to be like, dude, we got our butts whipped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because chicken was through the roof, and then yeah. there was beef, Everything. and then inflation. And it's you like, couldn't predict any of it. That's the hard thing. We were in such a, in yeah. a flux. Nobody crushed cost. it. Nobody crushed it cost last year. Goods, labor probably went up for you as well. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So, in terms of marketing, what did you start doing different during the pandemic to, to get ready for this launch mode that you're currently in? Uh, the marketing piece, like I said, we had to get creative. Um, we did a lot through, I mean, we, we could email our customers, right? Like we, we were not in a sophisticated loyalty program or anything like that, but we had a great customer list on our email. And I mean, we've got, I think at that time it was probably 45,000 people. Wow. So Where if are we, you now? 50 something, but yeah, I mean, 50 or 60,000. Yeah. I mean, it's still 5,000 more on top of that. It's still pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were leveraging what we had, you know, I talked about the neighborhood night thing that we would do. We, we tried to get, um, we did fundraisers still with schools, but we did them like in the drive through. We made it an outdoor thing with like signs and banners, everyone six feet apart, mm-hmm. like trying to just get creative, mm. um, with things that got people excited and able to get out of their house maybe um but still being safe we were also marketing different things like we had like a how we're keeping you safe video you know what i mean like we were wearing our masks like this is how we are sanitizing the tables like it was a different thing that you needed to communicate to the customer at that time their their priorities changed yeah i mean Yeah. yeah Uh, but back to the idea of building a list. I still I believe that the the best form of marketing is four walls. The 100%. Next, next on that list, direct marketing, i.e., email, SMS, flyers, mm-hmm. mail, whatever, and then we'll start talking about like social media and other things. So, what was your strategy to build your list beyond like where's the major source of like I'm assuming it's through like the POS and transaction or maybe it's it's uh, actually through our website. Okay, um, you know I will say that we've had the list since we opened in 2013 and it's a slow grow getting people to organically sign up. You know, we have a thing on the wall and then like something on the footer of the receipt, maybe Um, stuff like that. But you're asking someone to make the effort to go opt in. Right. 
And that's a challenge in yeah. itself. So I was super hesitant, and this was many years ago, to put a pop-up on our website. That was like... Game changer. Heck no. I, <laughs> Why con- not? Because you as hate a, those little things. Yes, because we all hate them. them. Yeah. As a consumer, <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. But the second we put that on our website with a f- big picture of chips and queso, and you get a free chips and queso when you sign up, I mean, through the roof. Yeah. It's like 200 people a week. That's crazy. You know? So it like exponentially grew our list. Which just Were you worried about giving things away? Not at all. We yeah. use that's discounts. The, that's the number one th- way to give it away. Yes. Well, you are, but you're, you're also hooking them. Well, you're also, but it's not, you're not giving it away because you're trading for something that's more valuable than yes. how much does chips and queso cost? What's that? What's the cost of goods? chips and queso for you right so it's three bucks and it costs us a buck so for a dollar yeah you're having a direct line of communication to a customer going yes. forward you're gonna get that back right and i think people they they, they don't see that even mm-hmm. you could spend five dollars on that email oh, and if you more, get if that person yeah. comes yeah. back twice you're gonna get, you're gonna get it back well, but, mm-hmm. and we know that once someone tastes our food we've got them so our marketing from day one very grassroots Got to get the food in people's mouths. It's yeah. not just like they need to see our name and hear about what we do. Like they got to taste it. Yeah. So we consider our discounts that we give away. We use very simple comp cards. Um, it's a business card that we have one for a free Dilla, one for a free chips and queso, a free dessert, a free drink that our operators can use and leverage in the community for their, like you said, direct like community marketing. Golf tournaments. It's yeah, just local community marketing. Yeah. But we know if they use that, if it's compelling enough for them to come try it, we'll have them hooked. Yeah. So the free food, the, the other component of that is we don't discount our food. We don't want to be considered a discount brand that you think you can get a deal, but we will give you something. So you In will, exchange or? No, just don't discount. Give it away. Give it, Give away. it away. Yeah. And that's like if, if, if uh, companies come to you and ask for donations, always donate food. Don't yeah. donate money because people aren't going to experience your brand. Like the whole point of donating obviously is to give back. That's yep. a big part of it. But additionally, it's to get your name out into the community. They'll put your, your brand on the flyer or on like a big banner mm-hmm. or something. They'll see that brand, but they're not going to taste it. They're not going to experience it the same way. Um, and I think that was a great piece of advice. Uh, yeah. A great example of that. We have a partner here locally, Minnie's Food Pantry. And um, they started very much around the same time we did our first volunteer event. We did at their food pantry before we even opened the restaurant. And so we've stayed with them pretty tight. And um, we have a tradition, I guess, at this point that every year we feed their volunteers on the big day that they do the Thanksgiving food pantry giveaway and it's grown to such a crazy event i think this year we fed 10, 300 volunteers yep. that were there but you know that's our way like you said of donating back to the community in a meaningful way they're getting fed for all the hard work they're doing but they get to taste our food mm. get to know us and our personality because we're there on site with them you know but we didn't just donate 400 dollars to be on a logo on the flyer exactly. you know right. what i mean yeah. like yeah. you and can do it that's a part of direct mail marketing in my opinion so there's obviously email there's sms sms i'd probably say is more valuable than email so mm-hmm. sms email and then probably flyers but even more direct Four walls marketing can go outside of the four walls. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if there's a big event, don't just donate money. Go to that. Yeah. Yes. You know, be there. Shake hands. Kiss babies. Yep. Get to know your community. Build relationships. Yep. Absolutely. That's what it's all about is just a relationship. Like, people want to support their friends. They want to, they want to, they feel special when they go to a restaurant and they've met the owner. You yep. know, mm-hmm. like, it's, it makes an impact. So, yep. um, 
any wait, I am curious back on this idea of uh, list building uh, with your pop up miss implementer. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you, what, what's your website built on? What platform? It's a WordPress website. Okay. Did you build it yourself? I did. Okay. Uh, what 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 sweeter tools are you using to get that pop up? Um, so we have um, a pop up builder that's in the background. We actually the form we're using it's kind of convoluted at this point. Honestly, we used to have just a Mailchimp pop up. Um, we've been on Mailchimp since the beginning, but we found we had a, a little bit of a fraud issue with using Mailchimp as our um, offer redemption. So when they sign up, they get the free chips and queso, but we have no really way to know if they've already redeemed that. They could walk in multiple times and use it at any restaurant, you know, they laminated it and they're just like, here's my free queso. So we had another partner that was doing some of our um, customer feedback that launched a marketing option that had a text marketing, um, but they also could do email marketing and it has a redeemable offer component to it so um so we use we leveraged their uh little iframe in the pop-up tool that is just a plug-in in wordpress so it pops up they sign in it goes into that list and they actually sync to mailchimp are you still using mailchimp we are currently but we're moving off of it what are you what are you interested in uh so are you still in the market we well no i don't know um so we we're partnered right now with Lunchbox to get our new app and loyalty program. They also have websites too, right? Are you going full in with Lunchbox? We're not doing website with them. Um, we're doing app loyalty ordering. The catering platform we're really excited about. Um, but they also have an email marketing back engine on that. So called customer.io. Okay. Um, that is like crazy insane the way you can segment your customers because yes. it's all based on what do you mean purchase. Like it's all based on their purchase data because all the orders that flow through there. Um, so you can segment. I mean like not only visits and spend and things can, like that, but you, you can get menu items specific. Yeah. You can make offers wow. to what you know they like. That's yes. crazy, yeah. So down, The amount of yeah. data is insane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really, and it's automatic segmentation because it's yes. linked to your POS. So you yeah. know what they're ordering, you know their email, their contact information. So instead of offering them a quesadilla, or maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe you know what, exactly which quesadilla they get. Exactly. Yeah. So you can give them a free, their favorite thing. Yeah, hell yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's super powerful. No uh, doubt. I, I was going to say, um, I love, if, if, if anyone's listening to this and they're using MailChimp, I would say check out ConvertKit because I think Yeah, I've heard great things about ConvertKit. Yeah, because of the, the segmentation mm-hmm. and the, the uh, what's the word? Um, the, I can't remember, the campaigns you can run. So it's not mm. just one off, but it's like, yeah. If this, then that. So if they click here, you, you can, can build send them. a whole journey. Yeah, you, like yeah, like you can. It's not just like a simple trickle. It's like you, a more you write a series of emails at once, and it yeah. takes them through this experience based off of the decisions and the, the behaviors they have. And it's super powerful. Wow. I don't use it as much as I could, but that's cool. I, yeah, I would like to start diving more into that stuff. Um, okay, before we take our next break, and I think we're going to skip the speed round today and just continue the free flowing portion of the conversation. Any other thoughts around manpower operations and marketing that we didn't touch on that you just are itching to get out? No, other than the fact that like I completely agree with your sentiment that like operations is your number one marketing tool. That's yeah. why it's last. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we kind of have like a marketing customer last mentality mm-hmm. and it starts with the team first. I think people get distracted with marketing. Sometimes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's important, but if it's pulling away from doing the primary, your core focus, the thing that you do, if you're not doing that as well because you're too busy you know, working the gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> the work doing, telling people who you are instead of being who you are. Yeah. Um, just double, you know, double check yourself. Well, like, and it's, it's so sexy to like 
go do it because like you look at your P&L mm-hmm. and immediately if you're in the restaurant business, you notice that like you're not making enough at the bottom line, yeah. right? So you're like, what do I do? Well, there's not that many levers. It's either grow your sales mm-hmm. or increase your prices. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and like for me, or it was both. like, yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah. And reduce costs. For me, for me, it was like, I need to go get sales. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you get into this like, gross sales thing and then you forget to come back to the restaurant to start fortifying those sales yeah. fortifying the team refocusing it okay now that we've secured that level of sales i need to go back out and build them but only after my manpower culture operations and financial performance are on point got it got it. and i think that there's a, a really important piece there of the operations have to be sound before you really do market like we have examples of like a new restaurant opening we may open really strong. But if they start struggling, we're going to halt all marketing going to that restaurant because they got to get it right inside mm-hmm. before we start flooding them with more people. We've purposefully pulled back based on a lack of manpower at a restaurant in terms of marketing as like a full strategy, mm-hmm. right? Like we're doing nothing there. We're going, we're spending all of their marketing budget on you promote a getting experience. people. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So like people, and I think that that that's known, um, but they still continue like I won't name any brands, but like they still continue to send out, you know, discount coupons and like yeah. try to pump their sales. But then I go to that restaurant. I'm like, dude, the vibe is trash. Not There's back. no music on in here. Don't like I'm not coming to, back. It's yeah, dirty. Exactly. Like yeah. why would you continue to send me these mail money towards getting it? Yeah. Right. Hire somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I would say one example, a perfect example we have of that within our system. We have one location that their sales are not at the top level of all the sales, still very strong, but they do almost no marketing at all. But you look at the bottom, bottom line and they're bringing in the same amount of net profit Mm. as the ones with higher sales because they're focused on operations and financial performance. I love fat EBITDA. Yeah, so it's like, even though you grow that top line sales, it doesn't mean it's all gonna flow to the bottom line. You can operate, you can squeeze more out of that bottom line without having to just go hustle and get sales, 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 sales. Yes, yes. It's important, but... Yep, flow yep. through. One more quick break to thank our sponsors, and I want to talk about this. Uh, the, the three new le- restaurants you opened. You're in growth mode. Uh, I think you exceeded your goal, because I only knew about two, or maybe... I don't know. We're about to exceed every goal. Just yeah. wait. And I also want to talk about um, your advice for just being uh, partners in life and in business, because I think a lot of people will benefit from that. We'll be right back. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, 
with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back. And when I last left, uh, I know that the mindset was launch mode. And we were talking about, hey, like we're at this point where, you know, the last... Uh, then what is last seven years was, has been about getting to this point where we can drop the hammer and just go. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about like, what, what is the vision? Like what, where do you want to be? What's the goal for Dillis? How, how big do you want to get? Well, the short term vision in 10 years is 150 communities. So we want to be serving Primo quesadilla meals in 150 communities. That's the 10 year goal, okay. right? So the big goal is the vision of the company is to be the brand for Primo quesadilla meals. Okay. So like when you think quesadilla, you think Dilla. Yeah. You know, like it's phenomenal. Yeah. Synonymous. So you're thinking burrito, you're thinking um, Chipotle. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Want, okay. So like we want to own that. So that's thousands of restaurants. So when I first had you on the show, were you the only Primo quesadilla brand that you knew of? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm. There's a couple of other players in the space, yeah. you know. Um, but like, obviously, quesadillas is like a really big niche in a lot of these different restaurants. Like, mm-hmm. everybody's heard of quesadillas because a lot of places have them, mm-hmm. you know. But to you know, to have the, the cojones, yeah, yeah, to have the cojones, that just that's the only thing we do. Yeah, you know, like I think that was the kind of initial impression and surprise. Of like, dude, that's all you're gonna do? Why don't you just? You might as well add tacos. You might as well add burritos. You have all the ingredients yeah. for it. It's like, no, no. Yeah. Like, we're just doing this. Simple, um, stupid, right? Yeah. Keep it simple. And so, like, um, the, the other players in the space um, aren't really in our space because we want to be, like, quality convenience, right? And, like, the other players that have kind of emerged or that are trying to dabble um, are more about, like, alcohol component as part of it don't They've have got, a drive like what you're talking about earlier like the the craft cocktails with like the vibey place it's instagram more of a worthy feel than yeah. it is like a whataburger or a canes feel or an in and out feel like we are we're the okay. only one doing it drive through for yeah. sure got it, got it. so 150 communities so we can say 150 locations yeah in the next 10 years um where are you in getting ready for that growth what are you at the point where you're ready just to go push or is there more that has to happen? We've already jumped off the cliff. Okay. That we were, <laughs> well, we are, we are, are free falling. We're free falling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew this was a fun ride. So, um, so we, we jumped off the cliff. Yeah. What had to happen for you to take that leap? Okay. Well, like I, I, I'll let Maggie jump in as I go through it. Cause the growth is what I'm like super passionate about yep. and like all that we've had to do to get to this point. But a big feather in our cap was when we opened our South Shreveport location, right? That South Shreveport location was a, a second gen restaurant and it opened up doing like 70,000 a week. Wow. And we we're like, what the, like, is our brand like capable of that? Yeah. Like do that many people like it or that many people interested in this? Like we never touched those kinds of volumes. Yeah. And so after that, we were like, you know, our chests like, completely inflated yeah. we're like oh yes we're gonna take over <laughs> the world now yeah we're like ooh. 
And so like that, that gave us tremendous confidence right after that we opened the dent location and that was like that June 21 or so something like that's that. Six location. Number yeah. Six. six. And that one opened at like 60, 70 took the golden gorilla back. I was going to say they opened stronger than South street Fort. Yeah. They actually beat the record. Wow. So like we've got this golden gorilla and it, it lives at whatever, whoever did the <laughs> highest weekly volume in, in history. So it's, it's sitting in Denton right now because nice. nobody's beat their number yet. Um, and then after that we opened the Bozier location. Great little, just want to make sure we all heard that great little gamification thing you did there to make it competitive and to make it a game. I don't want to shift the conversation, but yeah. I just want to make sure you guys heard that, right? You yeah, heard this little thing you can do to make it fun. Super it proud of it. Yeah, for they sure. get all jazz. Yeah. yeah. So Keep we going. got the golden gorilla. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, the Bozier location opens and they do crazy numbers. And so like, we're just like, okay, like, are they sustaining these numbers? Yeah. You know, wow. like, they're not doing their well, grand, grand opening grand numbers. Opening. Yeah, exactly. yeah, but our, our AUVs for last year at the drive through locations are around 2.2 million. Wow. So like pre kind of like us like really wanting to grow this thing or like we did want to grow it, but like the numbers weren't quite like, oh my God, numbers. Before they were like one five. Like, yeah. So well, since you're talking about numbers, I'm, yeah. does that mm-hmm. mean that I'm allowed to ask questions about numbers? Yeah, sure. sure whatever. What is your per unit? If, you're, if your listeners care. No, I, <laughs> I love talking numbers yeah. and, I, and I wish people would be, I don't always assume that, I mean, sometimes there's investors. I know you guys have a very small group of investors. So yeah. if that's cool, if you're, if you're willing to talk about numbers, yeah. I, I think it's important so we can compare. Sure. You know? So what is your, your, your per unit? Like, not, like what is your average? 2.2 million. That's awesome. For yeah. drive through locations. Yeah. The, the so, one that doesn't have a drive through can't do the same throughput. Yeah. So that one's in, uh, that was the very first location. That was a joint venture location. That one's in Shreveport. That yeah. was his first spot. Yeah. He's since like, he's got two or three more under LOI. So he'll have six or seven in the next 18 months. Got it. Um, so he's growing like crazy. Um, and so that one though, it, and I'll just tell you about the numbers. It doesn't need a drive-through. Right. The rent's three thousand, and they're doing one three, one four. So like, it crushes it from a financial profitable. performance yeah. level more than one that is doing two million. So what where, what percentage is that towards? So they say you want to have about six percent if if you're in a downtown area. Yeah. So that like, that one might be like a. Are you talking about like EBITDA? Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe a fifteen to eighteen percent EBITDA. Oh no, I'm, I'm talking about percent um, rent uh, compared to your total. Oh, hit, yeah, like eight percent occupancy would uh, be good. Okay, you know, like you could go up and butt, bump up against ten if you needed to, or like if you're really confident in the real estate. Um, but hit, that that one's I think at like two and a half or three. Wow, great margins. Yeah, so that that goes to your bottom line. Yeah. So what is your average margin on profit? So our average margin, I think this past year is around twelve, twelve and a half percent. You know, a lot of it is commodity based. So mm-hmm. like. Our COGS for last year started in the 35 range. That's solid. Which, I mean... I mean, we were... Total kick in the teeth, right? So, but like... So, that was like kind of coming off this inflation. And so, January, like, we're like, okay, here we are. 35, 34. Let's stick with it. Let's Mm -hmm. stay in there. Let's see if we get a little bit of... Would you ever add alcohol in the future? No, No. No. Because, like, we can manage it. And then, so, like, we took cost and uh, took price and then the, we ended the year around 32.5 but that's because we've been hitting consistent 29s with food and paper got it so like if, if people are listening like they in this type of business no alcohol you need to be in that like 27 to 28 to get to your kind of 55 prime mm-hmm. like is, which is where you need to be in, in this 
type of business. Got it. And I, I think one of the reasons why I love this type of business so much is because when you keep it simple, stupid, and you put all of your energy in doing a few things really well, your your labor expense goes down, your cost of goods goes yeah. down, and it just leaves more Top room line. for profit. That's right. Uh, and I think that that is just worth considering. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think with our model in particular, we are QSR in a sense, like Kyle calls it, quality convenience, but we do require more labor than the canes next door, right? They are frying chicken and French fries Mm -hmm. all day long. Ours is more complex. So while there is a quote unquote formula to it, right? Like we have to find that balance within our system of where that food and labor balance is to hit the prime number that we want. Got it. So we may be a little bit higher on labor than another QSR concept, but we've got to find that in food. Our strategy for the labor is let's grow top line. Right. So like if this past year we're at like a twenty eight seven, right? Right at twenty nine. We would like that to be closer to like twenty six. Yeah. You know? And so like our strategy for that is we're not gonna cut like people. cut people off yeah. of the schedule. We're not gonna reduce their pay. Mm-hmm. We want them to be the most highly incentivized tips, pay, cash, six figure salaries. Benefits, so like, So we gotta grow sales. Are you a franchise? We Yes. So, so we so we disregistered our FDD okay. this like week. This week. Awesome. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. Well yeah. done. I used to be very against the word franchise yeah. until I started becoming more competent. Yeah. Um, and it's just a way to, to scale and, and you, you create tons of opportunity for people. Yeah. Um, but where was I going? So what is your, how's your organizational structure, your org chart changing? Because you're mm-hmm. getting to the point, and I think a lot of people, when they try to scale, they don't build the house before they move into it. Totally. So mm-hmm. you're at seven locations, about mm-hmm. to be at 150 in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, you're, you're getting to that point where like, you better build that house. Yeah. So where are you in that process of building the house? Well, we can, we can start by kind of when we moved into our, new office right so i'll kind of let maggie kind of go to that yeah i think a critical piece of it for us you know we we had been adopting eos you referenced earlier with the visionary and integrator right and so did the weekly meetings help you to get on the same page we're we're implementing the weekly meetings although we do miss a weekly meeting every once in a while when i'm on the road uh but sorry i'm jumping all over the place finish your train of thought before (laughs) we get into that yeah no but i mean we were we were kind of self-implementing there for a while and we got an implementer to actually come in outside and that was one of the first things you do is you go through your accountability chart and figure out what seats are empty because no visionary or integrator should be sitting in another seat Mm -hmm. even though as a small company we kind of have to do that for a little while yeah you have to wear all the hats yep yep so um, at the time, we were wearing all the hats, but we had to prioritize what's going to make the most impact to move us forward as a company that will benefit our team and customers the most. So what are, what are the first hats you're taking off? First hat we took off was marketing. So we hired a VP of marketing. Um, and that was something that, like we said, Kyle and I really kind of tag team that together yeah. the whole time. So it didn't free... It was always kind of like this. Because we, we, we sort of like did it together. So We planned a week out, not a year out. Like the, the VP of marketing that is that we've brought in, his name's Adam Reed and yeah. like total BA. You're doing better than that. My marketing plan is great. Great, <laughs> great content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, marketing was a huge thing for us. Um, knowing that we're going into franchising and the growth, our company growth that we're going into as well, marketing is so critical to make sure that it's well thought out ahead of time, like Kyle said, the branding's on point, the design is on point, someone's managing all that. I mean, until literally like a couple weeks ago, 
I graphic designed everything there is. Talent. And so, (laughs) but I can't keep up with that level of design, you know? So um, he's really, really been a great help. And then I think our next seat that we're looking to fill is team resources uh, or HR Mm -hmm. because we've already got 200 employees right now and we're still trying to manage that and we're not experts in that. So that's a huge piece. Every restaurant we add adds 50 people. So So we'll be at 450 team members by the end of the year. So think about that. I mean, like that's a lot of W2s. So how many more restaurants are you opening in the next year? Five. Wow. Yeah. So we've got... Double in size. Yeah. So it's, it's... this is going to be one of those leap years, you know, like where a lot of stuff is, is kind of going crazy. I mean, there's so much to update you on. Like it's like crazy. Cause we did bring in a capital partner, you know? And like, so the structure of that deal, like could be like a 30 minute conversation in itself. So like Galley well, capital part- partners. Yeah. Like you, Sorry to cut you short, yeah. but when you're going to go, go scale like that, cash cash flow can't determine your growth right. because you can't make enough of it. No. You have to go back out and do another round of fundraising. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I'm assuming you got it. So we raised all that. Yeah. We raised that money. Um, and so like Gala Capital Partners, um, they have a couple of other brands, Muya, they've got CC's Pizza, they've got... Dunn Brothers, and they just recently acquired Rusty Taco. Okay, um, so like they're just they're not there. They don't have a, a majority, um, but like they're there for like that advice. They're there for that like mentorship. So you're getting cash and mentorship. Yes, and like, but not um, don't hire that guy, right? Yeah. Like because like Maggie and I are still drive the the train, you know. And I think that the important thing that they've also said. And that what they've helped us with from a sophistication standpoint is, is what's your 10 year goal? Mm -hmm. And we said, this is the 10 year goal. And they said, awesome. Now put it on paper. And then they helped us build the model for how, you know what I mean? What's that model look like? It's, it's a it's crazy a Excel crazy document. Like it's like, it'll like make your like eyeballs peel back. To talk about no, it, yeah. no. But like, it's great. Like, because it, it, there's so many things to consider that you wouldn't normally, as it pertains to like understanding that scale, like distributions in year seven of this. And then there's the tax implications of this and how that flows down. And like, uh, and by the way, you're opening three restaurants that year on your projected, you know, schedule. Like, what does that mean? How much cash do we need? When do we need to go to the bank? Yeah, it's a pro forma, but like on steroids, because it's not just one unit pro forma. No, exactly. it's, a, it's a franchise System. pro forma. Like, it's a beast pro forma. Yeah, and we're, and our strategy is to open all company owned. All the one, the five are all company owned. Yeah. So, like, we want to have like a really big base of company owned restaurants. And our goal for the franchise system is to have a few that we just love. Like my goal is to have 250 restaurants and there's only seven guys and gals there. You know what I mean? Like it's a big portion of us. And then it's like really partners who can really own New Mexico, own Oklahoma, whatever, you know, like I I come to New Hampshire, maybe New Hampshire, (laughs) Um, but the right person, we don't, we don't want like 150 restaurants and 150 people. Like Mm. that's not the goal, you know, like that's, that gets out of control and it makes it to where you can't scale the culture. Yeah. 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 The other thing on the accountability chart, um, I would say the kind of, we always knew from the beginning, we wanted to keep our corporate structure pretty flat. Like we're not interested in having a huge employee structure at the office. And so we've used, um, leveraged a lot of outsourced resources in a fractional way. So that's the other things we've brought on this year is this leverage a a lot of outsourced resources in a fractional way. Mm -hmm. So we've got a fractional CFO we brought on. So they are, what do you mean by fractional? So they, they're, it's a company, they've got a team of CFOs 
and we hire them on a fractional basis to be our CFO. So we don't have to bring someone in-house, pay them a full salary, employee tax, benefits, all that. Is that the long-term plan or the get to get to where you need to be plan? It can be a strategy up to a certain point, you yeah. know, and but that that point can be like 150 restaurants. I mean, we could I mean, use like, a fractional for a seat for way. a while. Mm-hmm. And they, their knowledge expertise with a team of CFOs is far superior than us having one. It's a one, of CEO. Of CEO. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so we're, we're a piece of their puzzle, but they're what we need right now. And how the do same, you, sorry, I cut you short. No, it's all good. It's a piece of the puzzle, but how do you finish your thought? I feel bad. No, I was going to say we, we did the same thing in the technology side. So we got a fractional CTO. Yeah. And so to take that burden off of us, have an expert because I've hit my max, yeah. right? Like I've capped out and I'm like, I need we someone also, else to take it over. We also have a virtual assistants who help us manage our email. Mm. So like I check my email about two hours after I wake up. Right. And then when I go do check my email, there's about 10 emails in there. Is this a domestic virtual assistant or over Venezuela? Okay. So like the, the, but like the game has changed. Mm -hmm. You can keep your organization flat, be super productive, have fantastic experts and like, and do it in a really efficient and affordable way. So the ability to scale is at a whole new level now to, uh, to allow some of these up and comers like Dilla's and others, the opportunity to grow and scale yeah. something like this. So um, what's the name of the fractional uh, uh, CEO company that you're using? So the CFO company we're using is C-Suite. Okay. Um, and so they that's all they do is fractional CFO work. And um, the partner we got with technology, they're actually going to be, they're, they're sitting as our IT department. And um, so there'll be full support for our company restaurants. But even franchisees, we're going to be charging a technology fee that may seem hefty out the get-go, but they won't have to lift a finger. Yeah. They Just will handle flick the switch. They'll yeah. handle All their ordering tech everything, install, maintenance. They I mean, we don't want our franchisees or our company operators to worry about technology. There's mm. so we are a tech forward company. We use a lot of technology, but we it shouldn't burden them. So our goal is to alleviate that, focus on ops, focus on people, do what you do in the restaurant and we'll handle that for you because we learned that early on with this kind of uh we'll call him a franchisee because we're converting him to a franchisee but he's a joint venture partner like the things as a new restaurant owner because he was in restaurants for a really long time before that but switching over to entrepreneur owner you're you're not good at two things it and accounting Mm. so maggie and i said immediately we need to figure out systems and procedures to take that off their hands so they can focus on what their magic is, right? We want people operating in their superpower at all times, yeah. you know, and it's people. Yeah. So this is, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. This is the first time I had a, a, a group on the show where they're saying um, they're not building it in a house. They are going to outsource. And I think mm-hmm. that we live in a world where that should be a more explored option. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would love to come back in another t- five years to, to see, see how it's at. going. Yeah. You're at like, like 50 locations yeah. or maybe you'll be closer to a hundred. Then yeah. you'll be at least halfway to 10. Right? Yeah. That's right. Um, 10 but years. that's where people want to go. Like people want a, a big portion want to be virtual. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it just kind of lends itself. If it can be virtual, why not let it yeah. be virtual? One question I do have before we move on and start wrapping up and start mm-hmm. talking about your advice for partnership, business and life partners. Um, what is your, your, your strategy for growth as far as the markets you're moving into? Yeah. So Very regional s- close, like uh, again, Centric operations is everything, yeah. you know, like, so we're keeping it close. Like our company owned strategy, DFW, you know what I mean? Like, and even not even extending way part out of, 
DFW. I mean, we can do far. 50 units in DFW. You know, yeah. so I love that strategy. Taking a note from like P Terry's, for example. Yeah, yeah. they got to like 14, 16 locations yeah. in Austin alone before they even considered San Marcos yeah. or like San San Antonio. Um, they're just starting to move out of of Austin almost after 10 years. Yep. But I, I love that idea of like owning a market, mm-hmm. getting that, getting that momentum, getting that love and using that love to be like the, the, the wind beneath your, your wings yep. to go beyond. Right. Yep. Um, so what, what about like, um, are you going to use a, a, a lesson from raising canes and focusing on college towns? Um, it, that's not necessarily like maybe beyond we get beyond. DFW. Well, since we're not even really in a college town yet, it's yeah. kind of like we've already built it to be successful without that strategy. I just feel like your brain would do so well. I think yeah. we know it will yeah. and we'll get there. You know, we've, uh, it's all about the support right now, you know? So like if we find the right franchisee, maybe yeah. that wants to kind of tackle some of those towns, we've got them on the radar. Mm-hmm. We know we want to be there. Like we're going to be in Tyler, you know, which is kind of a college town because it's, it's isolated. UT Tyler is there, you know, we're going into Ruston, which is a, a, a I would say a big college town cause yeah. it's going to be right by the university. Mm-hmm. So we're going to learn a lot about that yeah. in the next, you know, year and a half. Um, so that'll be exciting. And if it's like, Oh damn, like this is going to be, that's, this is a huge strategy. We want to be in Lubbock. Like we want to be in these places, but like Austin, for example, not necessarily on the map because like, yes, we do want to go there, but it requires a lot of, you know, attention. It requires a lot of capital. You can't just do one there kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, like, so like Houston, Austin are like almost too big for us right now. Like we'd rather kind of like stay close, go up to Oklahoma city would be a, a strategy we would rather do. The Midwest is exploding right now. There's so much opportunity in the Midwest. Um, The the bloody like ocean markets of Austin and Houston that are like got flooded. Yeah. Uh, like we knew, we know Lots how hard it is in the Midwest. Too. Know, yes, it's <laughs> indeed. And like, we know how hard it is yeah. to penetrate a market like Dallas. It took us 10 years mm-hmm. to get to four. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's expensive and like people are distracted and like, yeah. it's like, you got to execute at a high level because yeah. they can go across the street to but Chick-fil-A. I mean, there's a lot of people that live in this area. So, yeah. and there's a lot of young people that probably fell in love with your brand mm-hmm. over the past 10 years. Yeah. Uh, who are, you know, are, are going to be going away and they're mm-hmm. going to recognize that brand and they're yeah. going to love it. Uh, you guys are doing great work. I, I want to respect your time. We're at 11 o'clock. Um, I do want to talk about if we could just get some advice for mm-hmm. the people out there who might be married to their business partner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Literally. What advice do you have for those people? Uh, I think the first thing is identifying where your strengths are um, and your differences. You mm-hmm. know, we, we knew very early on which areas the other person kind of was going to own and to let them do their thing. Um, sorry, I just totally got distracted by somebody <laughs> off-roading behind you. <laughs> like, the, uh, we, we, like I said, we collaborate on things, but we know wh- whose zone is which, you yeah. know? And, and it takes a lot of respect. You have to remember, I think one of the hardest things working together is to make sure we treat each other like we would treat anyone else in the company. Um, you can't, like, I can't say something to Kyle like I would say to him at the house. I've got to treat him just like he was... Joe, the CEO, right? Yeah. Not my husband, the CEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, we have boundaries. We're a yin and a yang, you know? So I don't think it would work if we had similar personalities, you yeah. know? Yeah. So like a lot of people are like, how could y'all possibly do that? And then I look at them as a couple and they're kind of the same person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like it, they're both boombastic and like excitable and all that. But yeah. like it can, it, that wouldn't work. But it's not like your business partner is under one roof. Um, I'm sure you're not on top of each other all day. Well, we sit 
We do sit about 20 feet. We sit five feet apart. But (laughs) but it's not like, but we're not, um, we're not talking to each other because our departments don't overlap that often. Yeah. You know, so I'm like focused on my thing. I'll leave. I'll go out in the field. She'll leave. She'll have a meeting. She does her phone calls. We're not on all phone calls together. Yeah. It's like almost like we're kind of, and then we come together during our L10 and it's like, she's like, okay, what, you know, what What's have you an been L10? doing? An L10 is a leader, just a leadership meeting. Um, EOS yep. is like kind mm-hmm. of that, that. How often does that happen? Uh, hey, we do ours every Monday. Yep. Yep. What um, time? Uh, we do ours at 9.15. Oh, we're, it we're just changed for 2023. Yeah. yeah. So what does that look like, the L10? What makes it the L10? Um, so the L10 is just a very basic business structure. So like we have a one word open and then we kind of go into the different segments of uh annual goals then we do the scorecard we go through team and customer headlines so anything coming out from either one of those departments um we go through our rock review so we set rock rock (laughs) Rock, it's one of those big audacious goals i thought thought you were selling quesadillas yeah what do you care about rocks yeah um our big goals for the quarter so um we go through our rock review um and then we ids so that would be identify discuss and solve issues issues so you basically like you make a to-do list right Mm -hmm. and if you if you didn't accomplish that to-do list then you say, well, why or why not? And that's like, so you're going through it, drop it down, right? Yep. If, 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 if you're on or off, drop it down. It gets dropped down to the identify, discuss, solve. Um, and then basically you're making a new to-do list for the next week based yep. off based off the discussion and, and how we can get these things done, all working towards your big audacious rock, your goal, your quarterly goal, which they call rocks. Yep. And yes. you should only have two or three, right, per yeah. quarter. Yeah. We typically take on 20. No, we don't. No, we, we take don't. Fifteen don't on, there. maybe. But no, we, we have quite a few, but like it, it, we it has allowed us to stay really focused. And these are one-hour meetings; they don't get too far off track. And like that's that's basics but of an L ten. The critical thing for us working together as a couple, though, like Kyle said, we were we would skip our meetings because the L ten is for the whole leadership team, mm-hmm. right? So, like, yes, we get on, we do the L ten, but the same page meeting is really the catalyst for us being on the same page yeah, right yeah. so like that's we, a separate meeting yeah you got to set how, that how often time does that happen once a month got it mm-hmm. yeah and but it's a four-hour meeting so it's like a little bit of personal like hey how are things been going like yeah. it's it's you can do it even without your partner in life mm-hmm. um, but then it's just we each make a list of issues and we just go Plow down them it's it. a straight ids time yeah basically yeah uh, and then there's the quarter and annually. Yep. 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 So yep. quarterly, you're basically just setting new rocks. Yep. Hopefully, did you achieve your rock? Yeah. Hopefully, you did. And then what's the next thing to move us forward towards our one year goal? Yep. Um, or our 10 year goal or whatever. Three years. still learning. Um, yeah. But it, it's a, ironically, um, I was hoping that communication was going to be a big part of what your advice was yeah. uh, to working with your life and business partner. It, we're, I mean, I think we're all life partners, even if we're not married to each other, because yeah. hopefully mm-hmm. this is a life goal, right? Yeah. A, a, a life of objective. We have one job for the rest of our lives with the same people. Yeah. So we're all partners and we need to communicate. And I've been such a fan of EOS. I've only been really using it for about a year. Oh yeah. I'm not, it's built for like five people or more. Yeah. We're at three people right now, so Wait, that's how we started yeah, with it too. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's, but I I rather start with three people and 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 make it manageable and grow into the the, the, the again you got to build a house before you move into totally. it. So so is the core of this basically communication? Yeah, it's I a think critical so. piece. Yeah, and when we still like we hardly ever fight, and we're not fighters in the first place, yeah. you know. But like we do have like. 
uh, spirited conversation we uh, both in have the opinions, office. Strong opinions on things. Yeah. And so like when those times come up, like you just got to know when to yield. But and you also like, have to build a culture where people can feel comfortable yeah, sharing those opinions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Candor and, is a big part of EOS. Totally. And so like, I think that when those things do come up, like we never like um, allow it to like go beyond a level of like, uh, it's like, anger you know what i mean it's just like it's just good conversation and like some we have a very open office so typically somebody else jumps in is like yeah like i I don't know about that you know or like they'll jump on maggie's side or 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 they gang up on me quite often (laughs) um and i but i yield you know what i mean because i want to make the best decision for the company so uh disagree but move forward yeah right like that was like a big jeff bezos thing like i read recently it's like he'll he'll disagree but he'll give like I disagree, but move forward. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, um, it's uh, Gina Wickman, uh, creator of the EOS, Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurial Lifestyle. And really what EOS is, is a foundation to build your company on. So you have systems in your physical space, but you need systems for your team to communicate. And I think that's really where a lot of restaurants don't do well is they don't build that foundation, the language. Mm Because you look at a culture right? Mm-hmm. Every culture, when I say culture, I'm talking about like the word on a bigger picture across the world, different cultures have different languages. We speak like literally the words that come out of my mouth sound differently depending yeah. on where you're from, but you're, you got to think of like your business having its own language right. and everybody who comes and joins your business needs to speak that language language. And what EOS does is give you a, a set of words that we can all agree on. Like this means this. Um, so when you're building your culture, you really need to think about what is our language? Yeah. How do we communicate? And what, that's what EOS does. The yeah. entrepreneurial operating system does for you is it gives you that, that foundation to communicate and to use the right words. And am I missing anything? No, I, I am going to blow your mind though. After I was going to say, are you going to, yeah, like after this, you know, discussion, like because we figured out a way to implement EOS down into the unit level. Ooh. Our team and members, so, like, yeah. Nice. So like we have an issues list whiteboard back there for the nice. team members because we wanted to make sure that the team members because like I do a quarterly, I do uh, we have all the managers come to the home office and then I present the VTO to them so they know exactly like what are we going to make What's the How, VTO vision traction organizer. Thank you. So um, anyway, so that's the, the vision one pager basically. Um, but we want to make vision, sure that core values, all of like that, that yeah. three year plan, three, 10 years yeah. um, and the niche, the marketing strategy, and then your one year and then your quarterly. Um, so we want to make sure that they know that the issues that they put on their board in the restaurant, make it to the manager's L10 that they do every Wednesday, that that has an opportunity to make it to the yeah. issues list on the home office well, leadership. Then you skip the area level, right? Yeah, there's, there's an area. So, so each level it's cascaded down and we've implemented a system where they, it's easy for them to adopt. We created binders for them that have every meeting they go to with their agenda, their Elton to do list, their quarterly planning. Like it's all in there. So we've, we've really systematized it down to the team level. And like Kyle said, the most important thing is they're being heard and actions being taken. And I can't tell you, and I, I hate to continue to take more time, but like I don't mind, how man. important it is. No, but I, how important it is. Um, and because we've headed off issues that could have lingered for months, yeah. for years By or opening, something like that. The other, yeah, sorry, I'm cutting you. I yeah. I'm cutting you short. No, but, but what I wanted to say is like with EOS, you're basically creating a culture of open communication. Yeah. So you have to create that, that safe space. And within EOS, it does that yeah. right? because it's, it all hinges on promoting good communication and giving people that open door to say, yeah. talk to me. And What's it could be on? a discount button not working, 
that could have triggered like us having a maybe like a a, a discount line that's maybe says ten thousand dollars at the end of the year, and we're like, why have they've been using this discount instead of this? Yeah. But it comes up in week one. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this doesn't work. We need to switch this out. We need to update it, fix it. Yep. And like, it's just like it it just helps our company like grow and get a little bit better and like really gives us competitive advantage it's been game changer once we really leaned into it yeah. i, I, I want to work with an eos implement uh, eos implement we got one if you need who works specifically with restaurants i've got no. two. Oh, really yeah i'd love to get them into the network because yeah. um Interview, we're, yeah we're in the process of trying to like roll out eos where it's a slow it's not like we're just dropping the hammer on yeah it. but what i'd like to do is within restaurant unstoppable network uh, to like have a go to EOS implementer that, that meets with us quarterly mm-hmm. with like a, just a Q and A yeah. and like because I think this is huge for the restaurant industry totally uh, and uh, I'm kind of sad that the secret is being let out though because I would is, rather just I, do it it's like like you said not sharing too much <laughs> but we can create community around no this, I know you know? I'm just kidding, and I'd love yeah. to have you guys be a part of that yeah. narrative and uh, join that conversation it's a game changer for it sure really has yeah been. we we know another group out of Iowa City who's using it uh, actually. Big Real Brewery. There you go. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, and they've had great success with it. And um, the plan, we had Gina Wickman on the show. I, I'm not sure if you're aware nice. of that. Awesome. He did not want to talk about EOS because he's so <laughs> oh, over it. He's like, yeah, I've sure. moved beyond, which yeah, that was yeah. what got him to where he is. And he's got bigger. He's he's moved on yeah. to greater things. Well, we are going to try to get the author of Rocket Fuel on the show. He's cool. actually based in Dallas. We weren't able to find it. yeah we weren't able to connect this time around but he's on our radar cool uh the co-author of um traction is yeah. in, in minneapolis we're gonna be commi- connecting with him this spring so we're gonna go through the 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 speed of authors through the eos world and i really want restaurant unstoppable to to be a, a partner with eos yeah i'm just kind of teasing like i'm like we haven't gone on our first date yet but yeah. i'm there i'm like hey i'm i, I want to work with you guys well so. we have a ton of resources we'll share with you and All it's right, a cool. it's just an industry that i think overlooks the structure and organization you know like we've like you said we're a lot of hospitality people there's a lot of love and just like fun whatever but that structure really helps mm. move the needle yeah and it's take the foundation the- to build your business and if we're gonna change how people look at the restaurant industry i think that if we can show that we can prove that development that track that sophistication we can get more talent yeah. into this industry and yeah. we need it you yeah, know like sure. that's it this has been a lot of fun guys yeah thank you great. so much uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out oh. so who's out there like who's this killing it who's your restaurant crush somebody that if you found out they were a guest in the show you could learn a thing or two from them get some perspective from them who is that i'll try to get him on the show well i i think mark parmalee because like he owns golden chick he's been huge like a mentor for me personally um he's got tons of restaurant tons of experience like i I can just sit and listen to him for a really long time is really really great where Um, are they based here in dallas okay great businessman you know and very smart yeah and like the from the real estate like how to make money in the restaurant business and real estate. How to do it through franchising. He how didn't to do start it. Golden Chick. That was no. He, he bought purchased it, it okay. in the eighties. I think myself right yeah. now because I think their CEO reached out to me and I was like, I don't know this guy. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> he, you'll you'll have to look like he's Mark a wealth Parmley. of knowledge. Yeah, he's and he's a, a great mentor, very generous. Um, so I would totally look into that. Well, I will be coming back to Dallas um, to connect with Mark. Uh, not Mark, maybe yeah, one of the co-authors or of Rocket Fuel. Cool. Um, when that happens, I'd love to make that interview happen as well. And uh, how can we connect? You guys are scaling right now. You're probably looking to grow your team, bring mm-hmm. on new people to to get you there. If we're inspired by you and what you've done, and we're interested in 
the world of quesadillas and we maybe yeah. want to come learn through you, what's the best way to connect? Email me. Yeah, you I was going to say, hit up the website. You can you can see all about it on there. There's the... Um, That's dillas.com. 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 And uh, you can check out open positions. If you just want to drop us a line, we both get every email that comes off the website. Social so. handles. At uh, Dillas, at Dillas Quesadillas. And do you want to drop your email? Or yeah. Is it's, that yeah. your way of... of yeah. Holler at me because like, I, I think that the other thing is, is I'm, I'm an open book. Like I think you've, you've yeah. seen that. You know, I'm Which willing to I'll share. back in five yeah. years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's Kyle Gordon at Dillas.com and Dillas is like Dallas but with an I. D-I-L-L-A-S. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. If, if anything popped up or questions, anything anybody needs, like I'm here. Awesome. Thank yeah. you guys so much. Um, of course. There is no questioning. You two are unstoppable. Woo! Cheers. <laughs> There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guests today, Maggie and Kyle Gordon. And amazing stuff came out of today's conversation. You two are truly inspiring. I love your story. And I honestly have a special place in my heart for you because as, as two restaurant owners who, who came up listening to Restaurant Unstoppable, we actually bumped into each other when I was in Austin, Texas once. And you got organically referred to me. And the, the odds of that are amazing. It's almost like I feel like you guys were meant to be guests on the show. And we were meant to cross paths. And I want to share the story. Uh, we got you on when you had four locations. And here you are today scaling beyond seven locations with so many more to come in the future. And uh, I really enjoyed your perspective on this idea of executive CEOs, but uh, sorry, fractional executives. If you're growing a business and you're not, you're at that <clears throat> place where you're you're on the trajectory to need your chiefs, your CMOs, your CEOs, your CMOs, your COOs. I think I might have said CMO twice there, but whatever. You, you get my point. You might not be able to afford full salary, but you still can get the expertise of these individuals by you know hiring them at a fraction uh, of the time they would be spending with your business, a fractional. Uh, and it's actually the second time in two interviews that the idea of a fractional came into the picture. So this is uh, a topic I'm, I'm interested in. I want to learn more about, but thanks for putting that on my radar and uh, excited to share your story as we go into the future. So if you guys are finding value in this podcast and you want more like it, here's what you can do. <clears throat> you can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can share this podcast with everyone and anyone you know aspiring to be great in the industry. Uh, and really what I would love for you to do is come hang out in Restaurant Stoppable Network. We have big plans. We have a big vision for the network of connecting our guests with our listeners around this idea of paying it forward and sharing knowledge, closing the knowledge gap, transforming the industry. Uh, if that gets you excited and if you want to connect with my guests and the tools and services they're recommending and then head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com, join the network, be a part of the conversation, and I can't wait to meet you. And then I cannot say goodbye without saying thank you. To the people behind the scenes that make this podcast possible, Jared Parisi for the copy and editing for the podcast over at Sumadre Podcast, and Sam Hall from SavandSam.com doing the social media and the videography. It takes an army, and I am so grateful for mine. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>